Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Take your Bible. You should have your hand out there. And uh, as mentioned, uh, the message this morning is entitled "The Beauty, the Beauty of the Church, the Beauty of the Body of Christ." As Janae has uh, sung for us, uh, is what we're focusing on. Let's look at First John and, and read uh, uh, our text. I could have used a number of texts, and we will look at a variety of them this morning. But uh, John, uh, the beloved disciple, wrote uh, many years after all the other ones have died now, uh, they've all been martyred. All the other disciples, as John probably wrote this around 95 A.D., Jesus, if you think of it, was crucified around 30 or so. Kind of keep those, that timeline in your mind that will help you as you study your Bible. And John, now he's very aged, and he writes in, in 1 John 4, 7 and following, Dear friends... Uh, let us love one another, for love comes from God. He's the source. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his, only, his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, he repeats, since God so loved us, here it is, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Well, the beauty of the church. You know, as I was thinking about this, as a young boy, uh, with uh, great imagination, <laughs> makes me laugh when I think back at some of the things that I used to uh, imagine myself doing and being as a as a young boy. I always love the story of the Three Musketeers. Some of you read that and perhaps love that. I'd even have a wooden sword. You know, it was either Zorro or the Three Musketeers, right? I would envision myself saying, "As they one for all and all for one," right? Some of you remember that. One for all and all for one. Well, there we go. What a great, uh, what a great thing, right? To have uh, somebody, have, to have three, the three musketeers, willing to fight to the death for one another. Oh, what, a, what a fraternity that is. What a great thing. Well, you know, when you think about it, when you study your Bible, and I know that you do every day, right? When you study your Bible, you will discover that uh, those words... Uh, beautifully describe what the, uh, what the church ought to be. And I'm talking about the local church. And here at Grace, we're a, a small representation of the universal church that uh, believers that meet in assemblies all around the world, and we, uh, we are part of that, and we represent that, and that's what we ought to be. We ought to be just like the three musketeers, we should each be, and let me change it with some liberty here, each for the other and all for the Lord. A little different than one for all and all for one. Each for the other. 
Think about each word. Each for each one of us, for the other, and all of us for the Lord. So a little with apologies to the three musketeers. It really describes what we ought to be as a church. Now we've been in this brief little series on what is our purpose anyway as a church. And we saw the very first uh, message was that we ought to be a worshiping people, right? And we ought to know what it is as we come together on, on uh, our time is Sunday morning, and uh, we gather and we worship and uh, worship, that is, we express uh, to God His utter worth, and we do that in our prayers. We do that as we sing. We we do that as we give attentiveness uh, to His Word, asking the Lord to speak to us. We honor Him. It's the Word of the King that's expositive. And so worship publicly, and it's a great thing to do that. But more than that, it's 24-7. And as we leave here, we're not like, I'm done with worship. No, you're not. You're just beginning, right? Then individually, each one of our lives, if you know Christ as Savior, you're a living sacrifice. That means you're a living dead person. Sacrifice is dead. It's kind of a, the ultimate oxymoron, if you think of it. Living dead, living sacrifice. We are to die to self, live to the Lord, and we offer ourselves. Our praises, our life, the talents, the abilities that God has given us uh, is to be a worship service unto the Lord. So we're to be a worshiping body. We saw that first. Well, then we saw a second. We said, well, what in the world are we supposed to be doing? As a church, what are we, what are we doing? We said we're not a social club. You know, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're not that. We're not making widgets. What in the world's a widget? You know, you think of different companies. You think what they make. IBM makes they used to make big computers. Now they're into the, I guess, the service end of it. Microsoft makes uh, program operating systems, and and Ford makes trucks, and GM. I'm not sure what they're doing today, <laughs> but uh, they make that right. But what's the church do? And we saw uh, in the Great Commission, make disciples is the command. That's what we're to be doing. It's not a holy hug. Isn't it neat to get together? And isn't that wonderful? And it is. But uh, we're, we're to be training the body and building the body up, what? So that we're reproducing. Incidentally, healthy bodies reproduce. Did you know that? And we're to be reproducing, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all things. That's what we're to be doing. And last week, to accentuate that, I, we just took a little bit of a, an excursion and we went into and said, what are people being saved from? Why do they need to be disciplized anyway? Why do they need to come to faith in Christ? Because of the horror of hell. If you missed last week, the, uh, we'll have the CDs and everything else, uh, and it'll be, you can download. But we, we did a study. We could have spent a month of Sundays on, on all that Jesus said about hell, but we just saw enough of the horror of hell. We talked about the liberals. They take the gold out of heaven, they take the fire out of hell, but what did Jesus have to say? That's a good question. What did the Lord say? Well, today, we're worshiping, make disciples, and today we discover the beauty of the church is, is that we are to be a loving church, a local body, a manifestation of the love of Christ here at Grace. The local church should never be, and you can underline it, never be a place of fighting, bitterness, a place of division, or selfishness. God forgive us for that. You know, we each contribute to that or we take away from him. Uh, it, it ought to be the sweetest place on the planet with no apologies to Hershey. 
But, you know, the church body ought to be that way. You know, we go out there, we serve the Lord, we're tired working, we're raising our families, uh, we're bearing witness for Christ by life and voice, and it's rough out there. You get rocked around, knocked around. It ought to be like, I get to be with God's people. We're going to worship and learn the Word together and, and be encouraged and, and, uh, uh, and so on. It ought to be the most loving, sweetest place on the planet. It ought to be. And so the Bible tells us that we are to love one another. In fact, uh, did, did we write down the verses, uh, John? Did you see on the back of my sheet? Oh, beautiful. You're good. Let's look at a number of these verses in John 13. Let's, uh, well, when, by, just by way of introduction, we're to love one another. John 13, 34, 35. A new command, Jesus said, I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Wow, that's sacrificial. That's totally. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That, uh, that describes what the local church ought to be. Now, Satan hates the church. He hates the body of Christ. And, I, and, and you, we, we could pass the mic. I'll never do that. But we could tell horror stories of local assemblies that have either wandered away from the truth, and there are, and he's pleased with that. Faithy was telling me a story this week. One of her girlfriends told her at her church where last week was, you know, you love your pets, right? But it was Pet Sunday at church. And all the people brought all their pets in, and the pastor went around and touched all the pets, prayed for all the pets. Yeah, this is a church that, shall I say it, John Knox, who said, give me Scotland or I die, Founded, it was a Presbyterian church. They go like, what was that all about? So please, love your pets, but don't bring them. That's sort of not what we're doing here, okay? <laughs> love them. They, they, they're happy when they, they see you, when you come in the door, and, uh, you know, Fido and, and, and everything else. Little Sammy the cat. Oh, yours is a dog, Sammy. Yeah, I had a cat named Sammy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's what we're doing. And Satan's delighted when church, you know, pets, right? Wonderful gift that God, not for worship. No way. Okay? And so Satan's pleased. They're way off. They're derailed. Where are they? Over here. Or he'll just divide people, you know? And we could all tell terrible stories and shed tears and, and all that kind of thing, Right? A lot of churches are filled with unsaved people. Say, how does that happen? Well, unsaved people don't have the mind of Christ. But what a shame it is when God's people uh, are, have an unforgiving spirit. We'll talk about that. Or, got to have my way, you know. I'm the boss at work. I'm, getting, I'm the boss at church. It's going to be my way. Oh, please. You know, it, the Lord runs the church. I don't run it. He we're to be a loving, loving church. And this love is to be from the heart. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter. Can we see that again? 1 Peter one twenty two. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, that is through the gospel, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers, look what he says at the end. Love one another deeply, even from the heart. That ending sounds like a Valentine's card, right, men, to your ladies? I love you, you know, I'll cross the deepest sea, I'll swim the, you know, uh, 
but it's raining outside, so I can't go anywhere, you know, or so I don't know. Uh, but I love you deeply, deeply, deeply from the heart. You know, X's and O's all over it. I don't know what that means, but I still do it to Faithy. I want to give her X's and O's. I love you forever. I think that's what that means, right? Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. It must be sign language way back or something, right? Deeply, even from the heart. And you know what? You have a debt. We're indebted to each other to do that. Let's let's look at Paul's writing in Romans 13.8. Look what he says in 13.8. Let no debt remain outstanding except, here it is, the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. And finally, you say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't muster it up. Well, listen, here's the good news. This is really good news. If you're a believer in Christ, look at Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 9. Now, now about brotherly love, that's that Philadelphia love, we do not need to write to you. He says, I don't even need to tell you this. Why? For what reason? Well, you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. Isn't that amazing? God is love. It's not all that he is, but God is the source of love. And when you are saved, the Spirit of God dwells within you. It is the love of Christ that ought to naturally flow through you. And so... The church, as it gathers, ought to exude with the love of Christ for each other. And we're all different. We're all different. Anyway, it'd be sickening if everyone was like you. It would, wouldn't it? I'd be so grossed out if everyone here was like me. Like, really. Variety is the spice of life. Variety is the spice of a church. And give it a break. We're to love the unlovely, love that which is different. Uh, Philio Zenos, lover of strangers, that's what that means. Those that come in and they're like, well, they're different. They, they stink or, you know, they're, not, you know, we're, we're to the, is the love of Christ, if you are saved, will flow through you. And you'll have tenderhearted compassion for one another. And if you don't, you have a heart problem and you've got to deal with it. Or you'll be used by Satan and bit by bit it'll cause a division, misunderstanding. And the Spirit of God will not be able to work here like he should. Don't you love that story about uh, in the days gone by? Uh, I heard Chuck Swindoll tell the story where uh, church was pretty full, pretty traditional church. I think it was on the West Coast. And there was a guy which, uh, in, in, in my day, they called him a hippie came in. He came into the service. And uh, everyone was there. They looked good, wearing suits and smelled good. And the ladies wearing her bonnet and whatever else. And they're singing, and, and, this, and the school service had started, and this guy walks in, and he was obviously not a regular, didn't know the culture or the protocol and all that, he had been invited, and they finally showed up. He came in, and, uh, and this, uh, the, the seats were all full in the back, you know, back row folks, they, they're the most expensive seats, they go first in most good churches. And so they were filled, so he didn't know what to do, and he kind of walking down the aisle, and uh, he walked down, it was pretty full, and he went down and he sat on the carpet, like a good hippie would, right? Some of you have no idea hippies, but sat right on the carpet there, looked up at the pulpit, and just sat there, unshaven, unclean, all the rest. And, uh, and the whole church, the, the, although they were singing at the point, couldn't even th- they weren't even thinking what they were singing, they were thinking about you know what. And there was one, one tender-hearted deacon, as, as Swindoll told the story, who saw the situation realized it, and he went over, and, and you can imagine people saying, like, that deacon's going to give him the boot. 
You know, he's not sitting in a seat. We don't sit on the carpet in this church. And that older deacon, he was retired. You know what he did? He went over and he sat right next to him on the carpet. Oh, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. You know what I mean? You, know, you didn't read the rules. Get, get, throw the rules out of here. Come on, give me a break. It's body. It's body life. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. It's, it's a beautiful church. It's a loving church. We're not only to be giving and extending worship to God together and as we leave, and be a part of the great uh, thing of making disciples, but uh, we're to be a loving, tender-hearted, compassionate, beautiful body of Christ. Loving, exuding with that. We are to do that. Well, what I want to do is, we don't have time to go through all the one another passages, but they really give a lot of windows of instruction for us on what does that love of Christ in a local body really look like. So I just... Uh, thought I'd gather a few of them as I sense God leading me to teach this. And so I called it four loving qualities that need to be found within our church, causing grace, that is, Grace Church, to be beautiful. And I remind you one more time that uh, the church is not a professional association. You don't have to pay dues here, and you don't have to have certain educational credentials. You don't have to be a diplomat, mat, or whatever they call that. Yeah, any of those things, right? It's not a professional association. It's not a business. There are a lot of people that, that uh, I've heard run churches like business. It's not a business. Not a business. There are some things that we do in the handling of resources so that it's above reproach and you have confidence in that. Our men handle that so very, very well. We appreciate that. But it's not a business. It's not a civics club. It's not Kiwanis or Rotary or Lions. They, they may be good in their place and and all the rest, and some of you may be a part of that. I don't know, but it's not that. It's not a school either, although we teach a lot. That's called teaching uh, all things, whatsoever I commanded you. And a good pulpit is a teaching pulpit. It's not, you know, ten stories and everybody cries and you string it together with a Bible verse. There are a lot of places that go on like that. That's not it. It ought to be the exposition and the teaching of Scripture. So people know that when they leave, I have heard God's Word and I understand it more than I did and I'm committed to wanting to, to live it as I leave this, this place. And so what is the church then? If it's not that, well, it's a family. It's God's family. You're part of the family of God if you're in Christ. And it's bound together by love. You know, they say blood is thicker than water, don't they? Yeah, there were seven kids in our family. You know, they, we fought, like my brother and I fought like cats and dogs. I mean, we'd have some honest disagreements. I could go on and on. He was bigger than me. He got, he won most of them. It toughened me up, though, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but you know what? Outside that door, somebody said something against me. My brother would stand and protect me. I know he's stupid, but you're not touching him. You know, that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> He saved my hide more times than not, right? The loving bonding of a family, even when there's differences, right? Someday Dale will come and visit, and I'll ask him to leave his stories out, but uh, that's the way it really was, being the second born, he my older brother. But uh, we are bound together by love. We are family. Blood is thicker than water. That's what we are. Well, the first loving quality of a loving church, right, is that first we're a welcoming church. What do we look like? If we're going to love one another and, and, and have the love of Christ that God teaches us, that flows through us, 
We're to be a welcoming church. You may not be welcomed at some places. Have you ever noticed that? You're not welcomed at some places. There's that big golf tournament down south. What, what is that? That The women can't even golf in it today. It's kind of, it sounds funny. Where, what's the name of that one? Augusta. Yeah, what's the name of that? Oh, it's the Masters. Yeah. I see the ladies out protesting. We want in. They try and get the... They, I don't even think they advertise, do they? That must be a well-funded thing when that thing's... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Women need not apply. What, Roger? Yeah, the big problem is Tiger Woods, too. For what? He's the best player to ever play. What? Because of what? He has an excessive amount of melanin in his skin. You got, are you kidding me? He's the greatest one who ever played the game. Holy cow. Uh, you may be, you, you may not be uh, you know to get in certain uh, clubs or organizations you know uh, maybe you won't get into certain uh, uh, places because you're not wealthy enough or educated enough or look good enough or born on the right side of the track right that's the way that works right not the church not the I love the church because you know the way to the cross the way to eternal life is low right blessed are the poor in spirit you got to come low right. I'm a sinner. I love the church because you have to come in and confessing that you're totally unworthy, you deserve hell, and, uh, and God has saved you. And you go like, welcome, brother. Isn't that great? Yeah, try doing that at some professional club. Yeah, I'm worthless. I'm a bum. I'm, I'm a wretched man. Hit the door, Jack. You know? But the church is welcome. Welcome. Oh, I love the church because of that. It cuts through all the strata of life, and some of it, so much of it, is simply a thin facade that is absolutely meaningless. You are welcome here, and in two ways. Notice, first of all, in Romans 15, 7. I'm going to ask you to look at some of these verses. In Romans 15, 7, uh, Paul calls us as a church to receive or to accept one another. 15, 7 is, is a one another passage. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. There's the parallel. Just as, using a simile, you've been accepted by Accept one another or receive one another in order to bring praise to God. We're to accept one another. Well, listen, Paul, in the section, because we kind of jumped in, I want to do topical exposition here, uh, he's talking about the weaker brothers. He's saying, listen, uh, you know, some folks that are maybe newly saved, they have a lot of baggage have you noticed that? Do you remember back when you were saved and you had a lot of baggage came into the Christian life with? and A lot of things that reminded you of your unsaved life. You go like, oh, you swore off all that. Even stuff that the Bible didn't say, that's a sin. A lot of extra stuff. You say like, and there's kind of a swing of the pendulum, and I think it's needful. And, and for then you to be a part, see another brother who's been mature and been saved a long time, uh, uh, engage in some of these things that the scriptures don't prohibit. They're sort of cultural things, but yet you find offensive because it was part of, as a new believer, your life you were just saved from. And, uh, and so Paul says, if you find a weaker brother, then uh, restrain your liberty. You don't want to offend him. You don't want to lose him. He's young. He does not have a strong conviction yet. And so be willing to die to self. That's, that's the whole context of this. Incidentally, years ago, when I spent three and a half years preaching through Romans, uh, I was anticipating Romans 9 to be the most problem for folks. 
that God is absolutely sovereign. He, he rules King of King and Lord of Lords over all things. I thought that would be the big problem to people. That wasn't. It was this section of Romans. You mean a brother or sister here or somewhere else in the world can do something a little different, not prohibited from Scripture? I have a problem with that. I said, well, draw the line where God draws the line. You know, you're thinking through the culture here, and you have a cultural Christian, and we swim in a culture. I understand that, but realize where God draws the line, draw the line. And understand there's going to be differences of opinion among the family. God forbid, again, that we should all be like me in every little nuance. Or all like you. Wouldn't that be boring, huh? Be boring. And so areas of meeting, eating meat that's been offered to idols, that's what Paul's example is. I can get a great steak and idols, nothing. Man, look at that filet mignon with the mushroom and onions and butters. Hey, Jim, huh? Right? Some of you like that? Like that, Raj? Yeah, I could go for that now. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah. He said, look, an idol's nothing. But see, these people were saved out of that pagan background. They go like, oh, I was meat offered to idols. And see, what they did, couldn't eat it. They put it in the marketplace. They didn't have refrigeration, so they had to sell it cheap. So he got filet mignon for 10 cents a pound. You know, give me 10 pounds of it. You know, I'll take it home and cook it. And the young believers that came out of that go like, oh, I can't believe Paul's eating that. I can't believe these mature Corinthians are eating or the Romans, and he said, uh, uh, stop your freedom there if it's going to cause offense. In other words, welcome that weaker brother. With all the baggage, welcome him, receive him. Don't, don't uh, offend him. Curtail what is a liberty to, that you would normally have in any other place so you don't offend him while he's in your presence. Some other areas, are like Sabbath, there are people that are Sabbatarian. Even in our area, there are believers that love the Lord, that view Sunday as the Sabbath, and and uh, you don't do anything on, on the Lord's Day. Uh, I confess that we as a culture, as a church, have probably lost that. We crowd in things we shouldn't on the Lord's Day. It takes us away from church. It shouldn't. That ought to be the priority. As a shepherd, I always look for people to be in worship. Where are they? I understand there will be times that come up, people will be away. But, uh, but you don't go the other way, I don't think, where Sunday is the Sabbath, and therefore... You know, you bring these Old Testament Sabbatarian ideas into the Lord's Day, but some have that conviction, and, uh, and, and I honor them for that, but the Scriptures don't teach. There are other social things that we're very aware of that uh, are these. So Paul is teaching on these weaker brother issues. He says, look, receive one another, even if you have differing convictions. Don't paralyze or divide a church over these non-essentials. Welcome one another. Embrace the differences. Realize if you're a stronger and differing brother, look at that. It doesn't offend his or her conscience. And allow them their freedom, as you do, as a strong, differing brother. Well, along that same line, our area here in the greater Harrisburg area, as I'm becoming aware, has all sorts of nationalities, all sorts of races. And, uh, you know, it's been faith on our prayer for years that, that God would allow us to be like a, a slice of heaven here. All the races and all the nationalities, welcome at grace. You know, oh, it's a sad thing. Now, I understand some of the first-generation churches that come from the old country and whatever else, and they speak their language, and they, they want to hear it in, in, the, in the message in Korean or Hungarian or Russian, and that happens. I understand that. Yeah, but their kids, and they don't want that. 
and a lot of times they're looking, and as we're faithful making disciples, wouldn't it be great to have all, all folks welcomed here? I would just love to see them more than anything wonderfully saved, uh, that God has brought the world to the shores of the United States and even the Harrisburg area. I become aware, you know, there's a large Russian contingency here in our area. I see them occasionally sitting around Starbucks and they're speaking Russian on the phone like mad. Oh, unbelievable. And there are people from Eastern Europe and there are people from, from Asia, uh, Africa, South America. You, you know, the Latinos, there are plenty of Latinos around. That just... I just pray for that, and I love to see the Lord do that. Well, we're to be a welcoming church. It'd be a little heaven on earth. But furthermore, not only are we a welcoming church in accepting and receiving, but, but Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, look at that, that we are at times, we are to bear, we are to bear with one another. Look what he says in 4, 1, 2, and 3. Of Ephesians, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul was under house arrest at this time. Then I urge you, you Ephesian believers, to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. He gives a number of things: be completely humble, be gentle, be patient. And here it is: it's one of the one another passages. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the peace. Bearing with one another in love. He's, he's telling us, in essence, that in the local church, there are times when someone may irritate us, may irritate you. Maybe they remind you, your boss, and you know, you're not getting along too well with him. And uh, he or she looks like uh, that person, or maybe they were curt, or maybe they ever had a bad day, or maybe you felt used, or maybe... Maybe, uh, uh, maybe they hurt you and what they said and all that. Uh, we're, we're, to bear, we're to bear with one another. Uh, all of us, remember, have still are in the flesh, have a sin bent, and we need the grace to continue to love those who are unlovely, and at times all of us. And so we're to bear with, bear with one another. Now listen, God doesn't waste words. He didn't need to, I got to fill up this Bible, so I'll put some more words in here. No, it's, 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 a, it's, something, it's something that you and I have to do at times. Uh, bear with those who, who may have hurt us or may have disappointed us. We have to bear with them. That's what he's saying. It's one of the one. In the, it's a way that we welcome folks. We just don't like X them out, but we welcome them and receive them, even those who have uh, perhaps hurt us. It means that we must not be brittle. You know what that is. Brittle things break. If you have been something brittle, you bump a snap. We, we need to be pliable and bendable and, and, and moldable in the hands of the Lord. In love, we remember that the Lord is still working on us. He's still working on me. It took him six days to make the uh, creation, but he's still working on sanctification. And so we give grace. We give grace to those in the church family, who uh, have a tendency of pushing our buttons. You know what that means, right? Pushing our buttons, you know what that means. We, we have to do that. We have to do that. We must bear with one another. It's like a bridge bearing weight, you know, a weight-bearing bridge. What a sad thing there in Minneapolis with that interstate bridge went crashing into the river and those people lost their life. What a terrible thing. They were just driving home from work. And the bridge, bridge went down. And was it the gussets? Was it the, 
They had piled supplies on it for repairing the bridge and equipment. It was just too much weight, and it couldn't bear the weight, and it collapsed. Too many churches collapse when God's people don't say, yeah, I'm going to welcome people. Apply. I'm going to bear with some. Some of them are just sort of different, and you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bear. Lord, give me grace. I'm different at times. I'm not always on my A game, you know. Bear with it like a bridge. My father used to tell me in the military, he was graduate of military academy that, uh, and maybe some of you know this, maybe probably don't you know it, but uh, most, some of you don't probably, but when, uh, he, he would say that when a, uh, uh, a military unit is marching, like in a parade or something, that when they come to, uh, if in perchance they come to a bridge, let's say they're marching in a parade at a Memorial Day or something, uh, when they come to a bridge, they break marching, they break stride. Uh, and he'd say, can you imagine that? Because the reason is, is that when they march in unison, put the, left, put the, the weight of that could put in jeopardy the weight-bearing capability of the bridge and cause the bridge to collapse. Can you imagine that? Well, hopefully we won't be a church like that. Uh, but we'll bear with and be able to labor under and endure to be a welcoming, welcoming church. Look, we as a uh, we as a country have a problem with immigration. You know, we don't know how to do that. Although all of us, most of us, if not all here, are the result of immigration. It's the uncontrolled and the leaky uh, borders and all that. I think that needs to be somehow gotten under control. Some are to the point, no more immigrants. No more. We don't want any more of those people. Forgetting where we came from, all of us, right? Not welcomed here. You know, the home of the free and the brave, the Statue of Liberty and the beautiful emblem. Not welcome. Well, welcomed in a controlled sense, I think is what they're trying to say. But the church, you're welcome here. You're accepted. You may not be everywhere, but you are here, and you are at grace. And we bear with one another. Bear with me. I need to ask you to do that. Sometimes you say, well, he just irritates me. He gets under my crawl. He must know what's going on in my life. He snuck up. He, found, he called my wife, and I know he's preaching it. No, I'm not. Crazy. Get a life, but pray for me. Bear with me. You know, I hate that when he does that. You know, like, well, all right. I'm sorry. Pray for me. Bear with me. I bear with you. We do. Well, what's the second loving quality? Not only a welcoming church, but in Ephesians 4.32, just flip the page, you'll see we're to be a kind, tender-hearted church. The beauty of the church is that we're welcoming, but more than that, we're Kind and tender-hearted. It's beautiful when you think of it. Look at 4.32, another one-another passage. Be kind, Paul tells the believers there at Ephesus. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. After commanding us in 4.30, stop grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, we do that when we disobey Right? We grieve the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God yearns that we do the will of God. And when we say, no way, Jose, I'm going to do what I want to do, and we're selfish and sinful. Stop grieving the Spirit of God. Isn't it interesting that right after that, he calls us to this uh, wonderful list. Uh, it's, it's amazing, these qualities that ought to be found in us, in kind and compassion. Kindness, what is it? It's the expression of love to others. Do you know that? You can have all these feelings in your heart, you know. Husband, you can love your wife. I love her. She, I get excited when I'm with her. 
Uh, I hated being in Cutter away from faith those weeks. It went crazy. I I do a week, maybe ten days, but I couldn't wait to be with her. And then you like that. And so what do, what do I do? I got, I spent uh, you know if I had any free time, I I got to buy her a gift, right? To express that love, it was an act of kindness. Kindness is the expression of love, and 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 men, you express that to your wife. Your 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 look. Your most women want a manly man, right? Yeah, how about Arnold, right? No girly men. Right for real, real women. They want a man's man. They want a man's man. But they want that man to be in all his masculinity, protector, provider, kind and tender-hearted. There's something beautiful about it. There's something beautiful about him. Uh, I think a real masculine man, maybe a weightlifter, wrestler, maybe he's a Buffalo Bills player, you know, <laughs> and in his huge bicep. Now, so unbelief in the house of the Lord. Now, come on. Now, that shouldn't. And he's, he's holding this little baby, beautiful little baby in his arm. Kindness, tenderheartedness. That's, that conjures up the picture of the church. Strength lies, strong in the Lord. Uh, but tenderhearted, stooping to care, exhibiting that kindness uh, to all that we, to, all, to one another and to all that we meet. It's, it's, it's the expression of love. It involves what we say. You can have kind words. And watch your tone. Your tone conveys more than your words. Actually, men, be careful about that. You, can, you and I can bark. We're tired. We can bark out, right? Ah, I said it, you know. <laughs> you failed. Uh, F, you know. Your words are very important. How you say it is even more important. Kindness in our words. And then what we do for those in the body of Christ and for all others, especially to the household of the elect and then to all others. It is the essence of Jesus, is it not? He was manly. Listen, sometimes Jesus portrayed as some sort of effeminate sort of goofball. And it's not. He is masculine more than you could ever imagine, more than Arnold. Really, he was all man. He was the God-man, but he was man. He worked with stone. He worked with wood. That's what a carpenter did in that day. Uh, In uh, Nazareth, when they were going to throw him off the cliff, you know, how was he delivered from that? Well, I think as a man's man, I th- either supernaturally or he just made his way, plowed through that crowd that was going to throw him off and kill him there for claiming that this day these things are fulfilled in your sight. Well, look at that when we get it to our study of the Gospel of Luke. He's a man's man, but what? look at him. He's tender-hearted. He's tender-hearted as we see a study of the Lord Jesus in the Gospel. Right, he spoke kindly. He did tender things for those near. A woman at the well. He spoke to a woman. In that day, no Jew ever spoke to, condescended down to a woman. You know, a, thank God I'm not a woman or something else. The prayer of the, of the Pharisee. God, it was crazy. Here's our Lord, right? God incarnate, in whom all the fullness of God had dwells. He's tenderhearted. He touches the sick. The text says that. Lepers, you know, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, stay away. Here's our Lord. He touches them, heals them. Uh, That's kindness. That's tenderhearted kindness. Uh, He did it for the widows. Uh, He cared for them. He did it for the children. Uh, Suffer the little children coming to me, for such is the uh, kingdom of God. And they sat on his lap. He taught them. You see, that's, that's a real man. That's a real godly man. Strong, strong in the Lord, manly, but tender-hearted. 
church needs to be that. We're the exhibition of that to the world. Kindness. But more than that, verse two, we're to have compassion for those in the body. It means that we feel deeply for what others are going for, through. We pray for them. We love them. And, and things happen. People get sick. People need surgery. People, uh, uh, disappointments happen, right? People are out of work. People are underemployed. People die. People in family. Uh, all of these things. People suffer. Their, their children are in Afghanistan. We, we feel that. We, we empathize for that. We help carry their burden. I love that in the text where it talks about the groanings of the Lord. He had compassion. He saw them. He had compassion. He had a heart that was touchable. He wasn't just in there, I'm just going to get what I'm going to get, and that's it, and it's just me, myself, and I. That's not the church. We support each other. We band together. We carry each other. Look, we all need to be carried at points. Life is tough at points. It has a lot of tears. Disappointments. This is not heaven. This week, Faith, you mentioned, Eli will be there. We'll go and stand with, with, with Diana, who suddenly lost her dear dad. Died on the couch. Woke up in the morning, there he was. He was gone. And she was crying away to Faithy, you know. And she has made a profession of faith to Faith and I. She comes to the ladies' study, and we'll go stand with her, you know, uh, over in New Cumberland on Wednesday morning. Why? Because I got nothing better to do? Are you kidding? You know, most people don't like going to the funeral home. We don't go there because, yeah, yippee, this is great. No. You stand with people. You support them. You love them. It's a ministry of presence. You feel for that. For whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee, John Dunn said. He's right in that. So we, we want to be that kind of church. We want to be a church that does random acts of kindness. You know, we're not looking to get, but we just do things to care for people and show that love. And we're open-hearted. But furthermore, uh, uh, we express this kind, tenderheartedness by forgiving one another, verse 32. We read that already. It's a church that's filled with people who forgive each other and release our wrongs, our, our sins, deliberately, innocently, and deliberately done. And as we as a church live together, work together, pass through life together. I remind you again, we're passing through, right? As we do that, we're going to offend one another. It's a law of physics. Some of you hated physics. It's a law of physics. Two moving objects coming close going to generate heat, right? Friction. And that's what happens uh, in, a, in the body life. So what do we do? Just punch each other out? Blacklist them? Never speak to them again? Sit on the far side? Of, a lot of churches do that, don't they? I ain't going back there anymore. Oh, you can't stand it. No, we, we release, we openly forgive, even as we have been forgiven. That's what it means to be a kind, tender-hearted church. I saw that as a senior in high school. There was a, a special team that came into our church in, in North Tonawanda, New York. At First Baptist Church had a series of meetings, and one of them, I'll never forget, was calling people to, to repent of their pettiness and their unforgiving spirit, one for the other. God used Del Faisenfeld in a powerful way and said, we're not, and so he preached away on offensing and the offending. If you offend one of these, better the millstone be hung around your neck. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God was there and broke the hearts of people. 
in that church, and they took the next half an hour, went around. He said, make a list right here, and then I want you to go around, and you address each one, and you ask them to forgive each one of you. And that happened. And I want to tell you, in the weeks and months and years after, that was like a revival broke out in that church. And I was witness to it, to see it. Unbelievable. It was, it was thrilling. Well, that's, that's what it means to be a kind, tender-hearted church. Why? We're, we, we show kindness by what we say and do, and we forgive and release each other of our, 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 our things that we hurt each other. That's a loving church. Releasing. Well, third, quickly. Fourth, uh, loving, a third loving quality that we, needs to be found in grace is that we need to be a serving church. Just move over a uh, a book to Galatians 5.13. It's another one another passage describing the loving body relationship that we ought to have here. In, in, uh, in, in Galatians uh, uh, 5.13, uh, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh or sinful nature. Rather, here it is, serve, do loy, bondservant, that's the word for bondservant, serve, one another in love. We are to be servants. We are to stop serving self. That's that sin nature of that flesh. We usually do that. We do that intuitively. Me, myself, and I. Stop doing that. Stop. If you belong to Christ, you are to serve one another. Take the lower spot. Someone has said, my old friend Phil, Air Force fighter pilot, he was wonderfully saved. Put it this way, if you're not called to serve, then your phone is off the hook. He used to tell me that all the time. It's not just you, Pastor, that serve. We all serve. Everyone in the body serves. Blessed is the church that's filled with servants and not those that want to be served. Well, in the text, Paul uses the word serving that describes bond servants, the word doulos or douloi. It means that in love... In love, because we love each other and we love our Lord, I voluntarily serve. That's when they took the awe, that's the ice pick, and you got the first pierced ear. You know the Bible teaches pierced ears in the Bible? Did you know that? Some of the young girls say, my mother won't love me. I said, well, you want to be biblical. Pierced ear, the bondservant. They take it out and drive it through. That was a sign that you were a bondservant because of your love for your master, you voluntarily, you, you finished your term of service, but now you voluntarily, because you love, want to serve him all the days. And that's what we are. That's what Paul is saying here, because of love. It means that in love, we are to do it voluntarily, to serve one another. To do this, we must be humble, right? We must be humble, not caring who gets the credit, not caring what seat we sit in at the table. I want the head, or I'm not showing up. We'll stay home then. Not allowing ourselves to be becoming impressed with our positions in life. You know, I am so-and-so, or I do this, or I'm that. And, you know, that's our whole culture, right? Don't be impressed with that. Don't be impressed with yourselves that way. Don't. You're a servant. You're, that's what you are. That's what we ought to be. I'll never... Never forget my son-in-law's family, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bledsoe, his father. Greg's father's a, a surgeon. He's been for many, many years. And in, his, in Dr. Bledsoe's uh, family, uh, they're either uh, physicians or ministers. You kind of go back every other generation to kind of as far back as they, they know. And uh, they're one or the other. 
So there, it's really a godly, dear stream of, of, of people. And I remember at Sir and Greg's wedding when Dr. and Mrs. Wetzel were, were in her home talking about, he was involved with a church plan. How about that? Um, and uh, I said, well, uh, his name's Jim. I said, Jim, what, uh, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm, I'm one of the first there. Uh, my wife and I were there every week with a pastor, and it's, uh, we got to set up all the chairs. Remember that? Sounds like the Radisson and other places, right? I set all the chairs up, and uh, then sometimes I do a route, and I'll pick up the kids. And, uh, and you know what? I thought to myself, here's a guy. He's in our culture, you know, he's a physician. Uh, he's highly thought of. And yet he wasn't taken with himself. He's a part of a, he could have went to the, you know, the huge church down the road with all the stained glass and man, I, all, everyone who saw one, they may all be lost, who knows, but go there. But he's like, no, I'm, I'm where God's working and I'm doing the most menial thing. And, uh, and I thought to myself, what a special family Sarah is marrying into. I praise the Lord for that, that humility, that servant attitude. That's where it's at, you know. That's really where it's at. And my son-in-law uh, also exudes with that, as, as he's never taken much with his work as a physician. And people meet him out. He dresses very, very casually. I don't, have we ever seen him with a tie at the wedding? And people will say, well, what are these? Oh, I work at the hospital. I, I often think people think he's a janitor. And he, he never says otherwise, and, and so on. And, and the Lord uses that to allow him to touch many, many lives because he's not taken with his position in life, like so many people are. I'm this, or I'm that, or I'm of this family. We heard it this week, right? There are the Kennedys. You know, and everyone's like, you know, like, we're people, salt of the earth, right? Anyway. Well, that's what it means to be a serving church, a serving person. It means that, second, that we find ways to help others. We kind of snoop around. Who needs this? Who needs that? Do they need a card? Do they need a word of encouragement? Do they need 20 bucks? Do they, you know, we sort of do that. We're looking around to be the servant and to give ourselves as we show. Well, Jesus is our example in that. Is he not? He's the servant of the Lord, Isaiah tells us that all the way through. And we need you. We need each one of you to serve. There are jobs that need to be done here, but we ought to just have a servant mentality. And faith and I will lead you in that, really. I'm not taken, but I could care less on position, any of that thing, right? All the way through, that's the way it ought to be in each one of our lives. What can we do to help? Where is there a need? We put out a need, there ought to be three people. What can we do? I don't know if I can do it, but I'm willing to do that. We need your help. We need your help here. We need your help to serve the body in need and care and all that. A servant mentality. That's a loving church. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, don't you? That's the kind of church that God's Spirit dwells in freely. The fourth and final, we're out of time. We need to be a comforting church. Look at 1 Thessalonians, and we'll just draw this to a quick close. That wonderful passage in, in 1 Thessalonians, well, in, in, in chapter 5, we see we're, we're to be a comforting church as we express our love for the body. Uh, by encouraging one another in 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just, in fact, as you are now doing. He's talking about the last days and the difficulty of the last days before the Lord returns. 
And it's going to be hard. And so you've got to stand with other brothers and sisters as life is oftentimes hard and increasingly as the day approaches when the Lord returns. And the word here for encouraging in 1 Thess 5.11 is the word that means to come alongside of. It's the paraclete word. Parakletos. You come alongside and you, you encourage, you hold them up, and you walk alongside of them. And that's what it means, that we are to do that for one another. We do that in a variety of ways, or we ought to as a body. Barnabas is a great example of that. He's called the son of encouragement. where We see him repeatedly in the Scripture, coming alongside of those that failed, pick them up, works with them, loves them, brings them along, and then they're useful again. John Mark is a good example of that. And we need that, uh, we need this encouragement as we live in a world that's hostile. Uh, often uh, Christians, uh, lions one, Christians nothing. We are to be a comforting church, an encouraging church. And then finally, the uh, comfort ought to be shown to those in the church family and even others who have lost their loved ones. Just look, just a few verses earlier in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, that great rapture passage that it's commonly called, Loved ones there had died, <clears throat> and the believers were, were uh, grieving their loss, thinking somehow that they had missed the coming of the day of the Lord at the rapture. And so in verse 18 of 1 Thess 4, he says, Therefore, there it is, encourage, parakletos, we're to, paraclete, we're to come alongside of in comfort. The King James says, comfort one another or with these words reminding those that have lost loved ones that there's coming a great day of family reunion when the dead in Christ will rise. Oh, what an encouragement that is, isn't it? At a funeral, a Christian's funeral, that uh, the dead in Christ will rise. Encouragement. Oh, we need that. We need to be that for each other in a variety of ways. The world says, you can't do it. You're a failure. You're dumb. Don't even try. Just go home. Well, I come to the church fan because they're for me. They welcome me. More than that, they're tender-hearted and they express it. They're a surfing body, but more than that, they're encouraging through life and at points of death. They say, you can do it. I'm for you. I believe in you. A number of years ago, uh, uh, about five, six years ago, I went through a very hard time. And I'll never forget Dr. and Mrs. Wendell Kempton, Dr. Kempton, a dear friend, now in heaven, uh, came to faith and, and he said to me, I am standing with you. I needed that. I needed that. Dr. Kempton and, and uh, the great servant, he was like, in my mind, the Apostle Paul today. I'm standing with you. I need that, Doc. I need that. He said, man, I believe in you. I'm standing with you. We love you. We're with you. Praise God for that. You know? I mean, I, I, I don't know what... And some of you here were so wonderful to us, and we love you for it. I'd probably be, I don't know, painting houses, making widgets, doing something else. And some of you threatened me, don't you ever stop preaching the word. God is gifted in that. God forgive you if you do that. Bob, you were like that so much. Scared me sometimes. Don't leave. Gary Helsel was like that. I'm coming after you if you quit. <laughs> and it, uh, and Jim, you, didn't, you couldn't find me. You'd probably come with a baseball bat or something. You know, I needed that encouragement, you know, and we all need that encouragement. Don't we? We need that. 
That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Well, close, let's close here. Just some quick lessons for life, number one. Let's, let's go out of our way to really welcome one another. We do, that, we do that at our greeting time, but we ought to do that not only here, and then certainly here, but even as we leave, you know? We ought to do that. Let's go out of our way. It's not just about us. Be encouraged. There are people here that love you. Number two, number two love is the one word that describes us as a church. It is. We're a family. Blood is thicker than water. We are to love one another. God has put that in you if you're saved. It ought to flow through you intuitively, naturally. Love. Well, we're a worshiping body. We're making disciples. But the one word that describes who we are as a church, love. Love. Number three, may each of us stoop, and that's what we're doing, to serve. Not so be so taken up with our position our bank accounts, or personality, or whatever. Who cares about that? We ought to stoop to serve. Stoop to serve. And even the most menial. Isn't that great? Even the Lord Jesus in John 13, right? He stooped to wash the feet of the disciples. Wow, what an example. Go and do likewise. That's what we're to do. Number four. Number four. May we really be there to encourage, to comfort, to say, you can do it for one another. May we do that. May we do that. The world may not be for us or for you. They're not oftentimes, but we are the church, the body. It's beautiful, body of Christ. And last, number five, come and join this family of love. I invite you to come. Come and join. If you've never received Christ the Lord as your Savior, you're lost. The horror of hell is horrible. You don't want to go there. You can be saved. Lord Jesus, be merciful unto me, a sinner. If you pray, just like that, I'll receive you as my Lord, my Savior. How beautiful, Janae, you sang. How beautiful the body of Christ. Thank you for singing that. It really is. And may it even be more so here at Grace.